back, everybody. <laughs> all the dabs, all the love. Um, okay. So, last we left off. We had aggressors enter the bookshop, immediately starting to trash things and aggressively pursue a very particular book. When you guys stepped forward to interrupt their pursuits, a fight broke out. Swiftly dispatching, surprisingly, first the uh, chunky, I say chunky because I'm thinking of my chunky dice. The Templar. The, <laughs> the Templar. Rude. Yeah. Not rude. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with it. I love it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, surprisingly, the big boy, the Templar, going down first. Um, but soon following another. And then lastly, another. However, in the very last move, a one-on-one standoff between Langston and this individual gets interrupted, perhaps hoping to have a hero moment, a cool duel of finality. Langston watches an arrow shoot through this Inquisitor and blood pour out of their eyes as they sink to the ground dead. As the vision before you clears its way to look past the body, you see standing on the desk the visage of half-hex, half-spear and guard with... Why don't you tell me, Anne, what you what you said before? So, basically, her disguised self, where she had made herself look like a spear and guard, like an operative, at least what she might imagine what to look like. These are the only guards she's, she's seen yet. Um, yeah. So you have, you see like um, a, like slowly melting away from her skin. Like the top half of her face is like the regular um, sort of magentas and lavenders that you've come to associate in your less than 24 hours of knowing this strange <laughs> being named Hexandra. Yeah, um, but the other half, is a um, sort of very angular, uh, square-faced guard with a shaved head, and the uh, armor is now melting away again to reveal uh, her leathers and traveling clothes as she's sort of like looking down at you. Still, her bow is still crackling with energy, not in an aggressive way, just because that's how she do now after she did her crimson rite. <laughs> um, she also has revealed by the the half of her face that is hex, um, the sort of ravaged face that her crimson rites have left behind. It's very Sith energy. Um, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm, more she, mm-hmm. she gives into these things, the more it sort of like affects her. Um, and she's just staring at you and at the tip of your glaive pointed at her. And she takes a moment, looks at it and looks at you and your incredulousness. And she says, are you pointing that at me or do you intend to do something with it? I had things correctly. My dragon just told me that you work for people. You've been plotting against us. Does that look like something I'm capable of doing, Langston? You just turned into an another entire person. I've yes, done that you're before. you're absolutely capable. I've turned into a child. I've turned, I mean, I've turned into a great many things in my then. lifetime. Right. I mean, that's sort of. My whole deal, though, right? The whole blood hunter thing. It's just, it's a part of who I am. It's never made me popular, but... So is lying a ba- part of who you are? Sorry? What, what, what was is that? Is lying a part of who you are? Um, when I'm backed into a corner, I-, I was always taught it was best to let your enemies hang themselves than to take responsibility for that yourself. I mean, if you don't have to dirty a sword, why waste it? I have a glaive pointed at you. Do you consider this being backed into a corner? Uh, well, there's an exit over there. I could sort of leap up over the side of the bookshelves. Um, but pause as this conversation happens to check in very briefly. Link, uh, Locke and Kay watching this unfold still Im- rather seconds from battle um, looking body slumped No, nobody looks to be stirring in the current moment and you see this unfold is anybody doing anything immediately uh, yeah Kay uh, in the immediate 
takes a step back as to give them a chance to go at each other mm-hmm. if they really want to because she doesn't care. Uh, and then <laughs> we'll slowly, like, if the conversation goes on for more than 30 seconds, which it sounds like it might, uh, then Kay will begin to walk towards the back where she saw uh, their their employer go. Okay. And uh, as a reminder, Locke, when you sizzled the Templar, mm. you did watch the particularly la- nasty-looking shield roll uh, kind of away from the body and, and oh, yeah. over to the floor. Um, but while you do kind of clock that, you're also clocking this conversation. Yeah, I, I think he's more torn because it seems like all three of the people he's starting to grow quite fond of are heading in different directions. And I think he's just very much like moving forward like to go... Like, oh, I agree with Langston. Oh, no, I agree with Hex. But, well, okay, what should we... Oh, and, like, she's gone. I'm just like... So I think he... I think he... A stasis of a... In between. Yeah, but I think, like, visually, he doesn't, like, let his, like, kind of lightning aura drop. Mm. I think think he's, like, just kind of staying at, like, a a ready state. But he's not going to say anything. He's just watching very... Like, his eyes are just, like, like, darting back and forth. So Hex is kind of like sassing Langston about all of the exit strategies she might have. Um, And while she does, she sort of plops herself down and sits on the edge of the desk and leans forward on the top of her bow and just kind of takes him in very casually for the situation. She says, Langston, darling, have you ever had to lie to somebody? Yes. Did you enjoy it? And you see... Ida just sort of look at him, <laughs> like Whoa. sitting on the shoulder, and then turn. Did you enjoy it? No, it's horrible. So, wouldn't you prefer to have someone on your side who fits the right tool for the job? Not everything can be solved by forthrightness. Sometimes it takes a special set of skills. I'm happy to put Only those. Only if I know that you are not lying to me. Darling, I don't think I've ever lied to you. Not yet. Insight, Insight check. check. Yep, <laughs> yep, I, yep. God, now I have to think, have I? I don't think she has. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think we've had enough time for yeah. it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have to roll this off general principle, even if yeah, I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Hex, if that's your real name. Yeah. Oh, Great. Oh. Excellent. Fantastic. My dice rolls are keeping up with me tonight. <laughs> that is <laughs> ten. A, a nice, solid ten. Yeah. So, I feel like if, if you don't mind, sir, <laughs> me explaining situation. what, yeah, what take you it. take from this with your with your ten is like that. She's she's sort of hard to read, but given that you have spent any amount of time with her, uh, she is very serious that she views this as a skill, uh, and not a cool parlor trick. Um, and she sort of like is taking in your deep, I guess, contemplation of what the fuck she's about. Uh, and she sort of like leans back on the desk a little bit and she says, you said your parents gave you money, right? Did you really just sit down while I was pointing a glaive at you? Yes, because I Seriously? don't think you're going to kill me. <laughs> As this section of the conversation comes on and then links the glaive and puts to- it back on the back. Oh. <laughs> you hear argument uh, raising of voices behind the door that the two had closed. You hear a, some, some form of argument uh, as Kay approaches. Uh, Langston, please feel free to finish your thought, though. I don't know anyone here. Everything is dangerous as far as I'm concerned. And if I have to go back with her with me, she won't survive it. Don't want that. So for trust you. is all I have. And you all are the only allies I have. And maybe that lady in the bow shop, but... mm. (laughs) I I don't like her. Buck actually laughs at that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, she she sort of gets up and she... like stands stands in front of you and just takes in this information openly and nodding. And she says, I've been on the run for most of my life. I could really use some people that I know are going to deal with me straight and will know, well, not straight, <laughs> but I mean, deal forthrightly. 
I mean, whatever you, you know what, it's fine. So she, uh, and she, she sort of like leans forward and gently places one of her like pink hands on your, on your shoulder. And she says, I promise you. Ida kind of like, oh yeah. 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 I think Ida would have a moment Mm -hmm. of like hissing as you go to touch me, but she's tiny. She even like snaps, like, like towards your fans, like not quite. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she 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 holds very still and she goes, Ida, you know you like this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ida kind of like, oh, well. <laughs> she says, um, I'll be I'll put all my cards on the table. I came here looking for my parents. They were involved in this whole Marquois thing. And I don't think I can stand up to scrutiny alone. I need somebody who can be trusted. I need to be able to stand just to the back and to the left while, you know, you people are trusted and carry things out. And you have my bow in service of whatever it is you need in return. Kay, as you're walking towards the back door, and as this is said, you kind of maybe distract for a second and look over uh, and listen into the conversation again. Um, but as you do, all of you hear the door like open and shut again quickly and a little bit of noises of like don't and she's like no it's fine it's fine and like you hear this kind of like back and forth and whatever and then the door creaks open again is this is everything clear oh yes they're dead very very dead well one is except for that one yes they're it yes it is safe you hear like whispers again completely tone deaf hex just goes you're welcome like, <laughs> your whole shop is just full of dead guards. You're welcome. The door opens fully uh, with, like, a like and you see, like, Fawn is kind of almost, like, by the door. Um, and she calls, looks back over her shoulder. She's like, it's fine. Uh, and opens it all the way. And Mayfair is behind uh, her not far. And, and, and Fawn kind of steps into the doorway, not not necessarily into the bookshop proper, and, and looks around uh, and, and surveys the damages. Um, she looks at the door in particular. It wasn't me. She kind of looks down. I'm... I'm sorry. I'm sorry for bringing you all into this into this mess. And you just see her start to cry. And Don't. Mayfair steps forward and puts an arm around her shoulder, kind of consoles her a little bit. I think that would sort of kind of bring Locke out of his attention. And he, he would, like, start walking over if she's, like, crying. But then, like, seeing Mayfair, like, comfort her, he'd, like, awkwardly, like, uh, shit. And, like, then just, like, <laughs> st- stand it ready for, like, comforting now. <laughs> like, yeah, lightning's absolutely. all gone. He's just like, wow, this is... This is a really intense moment. <laughs> I think I think it would be a very similar thing for both Locke and Langston mm-hmm. doing almost the same thing and then yeah. just kind of standing there awkwardly. <laughs> just picks um, up a book and starts reading it upside down. Just like, so can I uh, can I ask for you rations to feed that? Um yes. where the book is that they were going for, is that still on the desk by me? No. So Fawn no. had had been clutching she it kind of to it. her. Okay, um you don't immediately see it right now mm-hmm. uh, on her. Um, but after a moment, um, and and Hex, you were headed towards the door. Not Hex, I'm sorry. Kay, you were headed towards the door. Um, yeah. And so kind of all of you are, are near the back of the shop at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, bodies strewn about near to the entrance. Mm. And as Mayfair kind of consoles her, slowly kind of regaining composure y'all look around this isn't great um and you don't quite know how long it will be before somebody else kind of walks by the shop or something like that when she regains her composure a little bit kind of also maybe perhaps like recognizing it and looking around and mayfair kind of whispers her she's like this you know like we have to do something at least uh Fawn kind of looks around and, and, and finally says, I would like 
to show you all something, if that is okay. But if if this is if anybody sees this, it's not going to be it's good. Very bad. Can you can you help me bring the bodies down to the? Well, we'll put the bodies downstairs for now until we can clean it up. At the very least, do not have it be at the front of the shop. The Langston is yeah. is grabbing random. Yeah like magazines and such and like putting them over the window <laughs> Locke's already already dragging like moving to drag the bodies like at least hiding them somewhat yeah sure. uh hex has kind of got like a pretty small frame but you watch as she like hooks two of the arms of the inquisitor underneath the uh curve of her bow and then uses that to kind of like nice. leave her back and nice. drag uh drag them towards the back of the shop. Okay. It's good wood. What were you saying? Uh Kay said the alive <laughs> one as well. Mm, mm, mm. Uh <sighs> it we and, and you see kind of at a little bit of a loss, uh Fawn looks over at Mayfear, who kind of shakes her head and is just like, if we let it go, then it'll tell everybody. We can't. I'm sorry, we can't. Is it worth information? We know, we know what they're after. We know, there's no information they can give us. Okay. What exactly does that mean? Fawn kind of steps forward. I will come, I will tell you everything, but not, not here. Uh, come downstairs. And so what she does is she basically goes and, and opens up the back door, the back room mm. that they had re- went to. And you see like, uh, she pushes back some crates in this back room and rolls up a latch. Oh, rolls up a, a rug, rather, to uncover uh, this, like, latch thing. Um, she pulls on it, and it's a trap door, and you see a flight of stairs going down. And she's like, this, for now anyways, can be where we put some of the bodies. There's a, there's a storeroom back there, and we'll have to deal with them later, but it'll be a problem for later. Yeah, and it'll, so she it'll start to you. smell after a short period. Well, deal with it, but it's better than in the front of the shop. It's true. And so she. I hope this was an important book. Rip. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you take all of like the old newspaper pile, basically mm. that that Hex was reading, and and so Linkson is boarding up the windows, patching up the one the door, uh, at least trying to to obscure some of the vision inside. The rest of you help pull the bodies in. She. Lights a little lantern, um, clutching it tightly as she heads downstairs, and you follow her. Uh, the stairs end into a small little hallway. There's two doors on either side. She opens the left one, and it's just this small storeroom. She's like, this is where we'll put the bodies for now. And she guides you, and, and you basically maneuver it all, and... Mm what's left clean up the, the the shop it does look like a mess in there nothing's going to change that but with enough obscuring and and visible blood is, is kind of covered with some books mm. and such and and just for now it looks more like a break and enter than a murder scene <laughs> um yes i want to i want to check the bodies real quick yes and also absolutely like, like I'm looking for a couple of things in particular. If they have any like weapons, obviously snagging those. But if they have any like capes or yes, like design <clears throat> designating marks or like this is yep. the patch of the of the spear and guard, like anything Absolutely. along yeah. Yeah. So that's mostly awesome. capes. so mostly capes. Um <laughs> you didn't know. Let me see. I, I feel like there's probably absolutely somewhere that tells oh. me exactly their colors. Um, but as I don't have that in front of me right now, we're going to say that they all have red capes. Why not? Perfect. Uh, so they do have spear and guard uniform. It is mm. not hard to see. It is a uniform. There is a mm. emblem. There is all of it. They have the, the piece that attaches the cloak to the armor is the emblem of, of the spear and guard. And easy enough, you can grab both those pieces. Um, so sure. there's three, mind you, right? There's two inquisitors and a Templar. The... Searching of the bodies, you can get all their weapons and armor. So there's, I believe, a short sword and and two uh, maces, as well as uh, their armor. And I will I will send you exactly what yeah. what that is. Um, you have 
three little coin pouches that you can grab, um, which once totaled, uh, give you 52 gold. Oh, nice. 13 silver and 22 copper. That's another shot at the archer shots, actually. (laughs) Yeah, baby. (laughs) Can't wait to go back. (laughs) (laughs) Where'd you get this money? Why is it covered in blood? Don't worry about it. (laughs) Don't Um, worry about it. One of the them has a little like carved wooden pipe that they have tucked away in one of their pouches. Um, in particular of interest, you note there is a note, um, a little kind of a wrapped up little scroll with a with a tie that looks like it's been unrolled and re rolled a f- couple times. Mm. Do you look at it now or later? Oh, I'm reading that shit. Yeah, we're looking okay. at it now. <laughs> um, you see in it a note of authorization to purchase and carry magical ammunition from Spear and Command. It is a, a, a Spear and Command letter of authorization. And you recall, I don't... Uh, y- this is specifically for magical ammunition. Um, actually, no, I don't think it was encountered yet uh, at all. So, so <laughs> We get a that. flash forward of, <laughs> no of but you, nobody no, no, tried no. to get magical yeah. ammunition at any of the shops if i recall yeah um you told us about some at the yeah arrow shop i think yeah, we couldn't afford it, it really couldn't really afford it yeah that's true um mm. but you couldn't sell it to anyways um and then of course there is the shield oh yeah that yeah, was yeah. found um Sentient shield. Sentient. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. You don't know. It looks Mm. particularly shiny. It looks uh, clean and and, and hefty and well-crafted enough to potentially pique your attention. Um, But you would have to take a look to see if it's magical or otherwise uh, somebody has that they can check. um, And you would would see that it's magical um, and something that you can uh, perhaps attune to or otherwise later and find out what it does. Nice. Uh, if possible, yes. Kay will, if we think we have time, whether it's downstairs or not, Kay will, uh, ask if she can have a look at the shield. Yeah, it's it's definitely of enough cool make that it would yeah. absolutely catch your attention, Kay. And maybe even when bodies are being dragged, it's probably, like, mm-hmm. one of the first things that you can take and grab and take mm-hmm. a look at, uh, of interest. Okay, so if she... Like, I don't yeah, use absolutely. these things, they slow me down. If she has a minute, then she will, uh... Reach. Sit down, kind of spread out some affects around it, and begin to cast identify. Nice. Sure, um, easy. And I mean, the people are cleaning up shop, and once you're probably you're a you can heft, so you probably are one of the ones that helps bring most of the bodies down the stairs. And then once everybody else is kind of cleaning up shop, you take a second to to take a look at it. Um, this is called Agus of the Watcher. Ooh. Uh, while holding, it is required attunement. While holding the shield, you are immune to blindness and deafness. The shield has three charges. If you fail a wisdom perception check, you may instead choose to succeed on it instead by expending a charge. And it regains 1d2 charges daily at dawn. Uh, And as usual, if you uh, spend the last charge, it's a d20 and da-da-da-da-da. But basically, you're immune to blindness and deafness with the shield. That is pretty cool. Yep. Uh, She will relay that to the party. Um, who, who uses shields? She says. <laughs> Lock raises oh. his hand. <laughs> Kay raises her offhand with a buckler on it. Yeah, definitely. Well, which give it to Kay. <laughs> we will... people who aren't us apparently. That's <laughs> yeah. fair. Um, but you notice this is still not quite the moment to have these types of discussions. Yeah. As mm. Fawn, uh, afterwards, yeah, motions you to follow her. Mm-hmm. I think real real quickly, like yes. very quickly, as like the items are getting doled out and the shop's getting mm-hmm. cleaned up, I think if there was a moment where Langston was more by themselves, Locke wouldn't, Locke wouldn't, in a very unlock way, wouldn't try to make a big deal out of this. He would grab one of the swords and like walk up to Langston and be like, I heard what you were saying about uh, trust in folk. And... In my experience, uh, you have to give trust to get it. And he, like, offers the sword to you, like, hilt first. And he's like, I can't speak for anyone else or or even you. Uh, all I can speak for is myself. And I'd be willing to trust you if, uh, if that would help. 
and then he started starts uh like not trying to make like a big deal out of it like if you can respond if you want but he's just trying to like he he recognized the value of a crew and he likes you all so take the sword Mm -hmm. and i'll look at him and i'll just go seeing what you've done people how you've healed them that is a choice you don't have to make but you've done it anyway for people you don't know so i'll take a shot at trusting you and Locke just like smiles and he's just like yeah my uh growing up me and my mom saw a lot of folk and there's some real jerks out there but Kay is walking by at this moment and scoffs yeah. <laughs> 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 but he's like Amazing. but there's there's some good ones out there too and he he just like awkwardly like puts a hand out like and then turns into like a fist bump and then is just like we we boop. <laughs> and then then they hug yeah then, then it's a hug and we can get get that worked worked out later Shake. but <laughs> so yeah. i i love the idea that you're like trying to make this moment happen between the two of you that mm. Kay sort of walks by and scoffs and like pushes down the stairs as mm. we're being sort of summoned and then sort of up the stairs behind you guys Hex is sort of like the the camera like finds her face and she's just like looks on with sort of a smile but then it becomes just sad as she just slumps down the stairs after y'all the plot she thickens she thick with <laughs> she thick with those she chunky boots. like these dice All right. yeah. uh, <laughs> so fawn then opens the door to the right and invites you all into yet another small little storeroom when you all fill in there, you see the lantern illuminate a pretty cozy chamber. There is a sturdy desk with stationery strewn about its surface that dominates the corner. Uh, that actually dominates sorry, the center of the room. There's two modest cots against the far wall with bookcases stuffed with heavy leather, uh, hefty leather tomes basically up the remaining space up on the walls just books and books these books look remarkably well preserved despite how old they look and this looks different than the merchandise upstairs is the first thing that kind of strikes you she walks over to a shelf and takes a small leather bound book off of it From what you see, there's no written title on it. She looks at it and she says, this, this is the Bells of Lament. This is what the spirit and soldiers were were really after when they thrashed the shop. It's a memoir revealing something that they would like to keep hidden. But it's a well-hidden truth of Prince Aaron being lost to madness. Hex, you piece together a prince lost to madness may not be the right person to place the... the Who gave you orders is unlikely to be this individual. And it's interesting that these guards seem to know this, but are hell-bent on hiding this truth. Yeah, she, she sort of says, oh... So they don't want anyone to know that he's fallen into this pit of chaos in his mind uh, so that they can remain in control. Mere possession of the book is an automatic death sentence. No trial, no judge. Why do you still have it? Because I, because of my father. And she starts to tear up. She reaches then for her diary, kind of in her pocket. This is the, and and you recognize it, this is the book that you've recovered. Not the previous one, this is the book you recovered. Mm -hmm. This is, this was my father's diary. This is personal research. She's trying hard to, you know, compose herself. 
trying to keep keep at bay the, the, the tears. It is another book I should not have in my possession. My father's Irem Lee. Its pages contain his personal research into the upper echelons of the Order of Indos, their relationship with a mythical people. Chrysalines, inhabitants of a lost city below the lake. The way there has been sealed for a millennia. He researched all sorts of things, and he wanted to uncover the truth, so I have... If I don't keep records of the truth, she's kind of looking at you, Langston, who will? But... Listen. Kind of refocuses a little bit. It was about a thousand years ago that Fano began to fall into disarray. That's not a coincidence. It can't be. My father was researching and searching for this, for a mythical ancient druid named Gilgazo. She starts pacing around the room, who had a strong bond with one of the Chrysalian patriarchs. According to his writings, my father believed that Gilgazo held all the answers. He thought that this druid, the return of this druid, would, would mean the restoration of Fano. And she looks again at everybody and uh, at you, Langston, for, for questioning like like the some of the, the needs for this. If they don't want the truth, you can understand why they don't want this either. And Locke, you looked through this book. Mm-hmm. Some one of the two of the words that she's saying is familiar to you. You saw the word chrysalian. Mm-hmm. Um but also a lot of this you didn't see. Mm-hmm. And you're putting together that the scribblings, the markings and such, maybe it was uh, codified of some kind uh, or, or otherwise. Because um, there was a lot more written in that book that didn't make, it was gibberish, really. Mm-hmm. She stops pacing around and spins to face you all. It might look like the foolish scribblings of an old man, but I assure you my father was terribly wise. A grounded man, and at his core, a seeker of knowledge. I have two reasons I know he didn't base his query on some wild abstraction. First, this book is inked in riddles, written in languages and metaphors well beyond my learning. It contains sensitive information about powerful people and profound revelations concerning long-forgotten mysteries. He had to shroud every word he penned. The second reason, as well... It has broken me. She starts to cry again. I suspect my father dug too deep. In his relentless quest, I believe he uncovered too many dangerous truths and drawn the ire of those sitting atop the Indonesian, the Indosian order. I curse myself for uttering these words, but I can no longer bear to hold this vile truth to the pit of my stomach. They, they murdered him. That's why I'm in possession of this book. She bows her head. And looks at the book in her arms. There's a quiet for a moment. And then she lifts her head and looks at you all. And you see some heat in her eyes. Fire behind them. I exhausted myself nearly to the point of death trying to decipher his mysteries. I must be on my way soon. I have a heavy price to pay for the help I received. So much knowledge came from a mere three pages. And within those pages held the most crucial detail of all. The location of Gilgazo. The druid can be found deep in a dreadful grotto across the treacherous broken top bay. Places few brave souls would dare endure. Will you help me? It is with him, I believe, just as my father did, that the hope of Fano arises. If anyone knows the truth about my father's fate, it's him. You see, Langston is just bawling just in tears just full on and ida is just looking at him like you poor (laughs) sam what's wrong with you (laughs) just like she uh, like hops off your shoulder like i am not associated with this (laughs) you're just a sucker for a pretty face aren't you (laughs) he's just like of course i'll help you on whatever you need and hex sort of nods a moment and then says 
do you not fear with the arrival of this druid that war would come to Fano? People who want things to stay as they are will not take kindly to that, and you could be caught between them. Who's to say this druid, why has this druid not come to help, to aid, so far? I don't know, but I know you haven't been here long, but look at the streets, look at the walks, the paths you walked to get here. There is already a war here, but it's not one that's fair or fought. It's just destroying the people that are here. And you think back to the kids that were so desperate for anything and how off their priorities seemed to be. So this is rock bottom. As you can tell, the shop above, I'm already caught in the middle of things. It's just a matter of time. They're suspicious of me and I need to leave. But if you can help me, then, then maybe there's hope. Always hope. If, um, yeah, we've only been here for just a couple hours, and we've seen, we've been, there's been creepy horses, there's been people stealing books, there's been people destroying shops. If, uh, oh, damn it. (laughs) Are we, takes off his mask. (laughs) Uh, Am I the drama? (laughs) Yeah, I can't be, we can't be the drama, no. No, um, uh, Locke says, if, there's one thing that I, I really can't stand, and it's if people in if that's people in power abusing that and taking freedoms and rights and power away from others. And it sounds like that's sort of what's going on here. And he like sort of looks up to like the 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 ceiling, which is like the 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 floor where the Spearin Inquisitors were. Yeah. And he says, if uh, if it's help you need, I'll sign up. If, uh, even if it's just, uh, at the very least, it sounds like a good adventure. You see her kind of sigh shakily with relief, and then she kind of looks over towards Kay. Kay will kind of take one step forward, glance back at everyone else in here, and very nonchalantly, but with a smile on their face, say, uh, well, I... Don't have much better to do. So, yeah. Hey! I don't know if Kay sees it, but Locke smiles very, very broadly. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Come with us! Yeah, Hex is sort of, like, watching all of this as if it's happening to, like, other people, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and um, she sort of realizes she's the only one who hasn't agreed to do <laughs> to do this yeah. yet All and eyes. the um and oh, Hex, to, to, to just bring it to you yeah there are things of interest that were said in her explanations mm-hmm. and in particular the chrysalines this lost city yeah and she, you feel that there's a connection to yeah. my law and she she kind of knows all of this and like there's her like talk about her father uh while while Langston is getting sad um she is hardening like a diamond in like the mm-hmm. shadows leaning against the wall uh and by the time this is all over uh it's not disguised self but the the mask that you all know of like i'm fine and everything's fine uh sort of washes over her and she says well, let's face it, you need me. It would be a horrible shame if I didn't honor you with my presence in this group. So I guess you could say I'm in. Lock you hear like, snorts from both <laughs> Ida and Langston at the same time. It's just like identical snorts. Just <laughs> <laughs> And Locke is just very excited. Like, yes, the gang's it's all happening. here. <laughs> <laughs> Lakes is like, yeah. I got this. Locks like, this is my hero adventure. (laughs) True. So, you seem strong and and resourceful. 
you'll need to find passage. You need someone. You're going to need the ship, and you're going to need a captain brave enough to go there. Broken Top Bay is not in a way it makes sense that he's there because it's not somewhere people go. But I can she kind of turns around, shuffles through some of her things, and grabs a hefty coin pouch. I can pay you up front 500 gold to help get a captain to pay the captain. If you secure passage, find Gilgazo and bring him back to Fano, I will do everything else I can to thank you. Just see Lynx's face just get super red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> under, just under, super so, red. Under her breath, you just hear, down boy. Uh, like, just like, <laughs> you, because she can already see this sort of, like, mm. thing up, like. No. Also, uh, right. completely right. oblivious to this, although Mayfair is not. And and you see kind of, like, just, she's, Mayfair's been kind of standing in the back and just looks away, like. Um, Mayfair kind of steps forward and goes, and may I point out it may be wise oh same accent <laughs> uh, uh, may I point out it may be wise to get out of town for a while anyways why missing spirits are sure to arouse uh, suspicion yeah. like the biggest where? most annoyed sigh ever from Hex and she goes yeah that Just checks out like <laughs> And she uh, she looks at Langston and sort of like uh, elbows you playfully in the in the um, upper fore in the upper arm, and she goes, "Be careful! You don't want to fall in love with someone everywhere we go." <laughs> it's not like what? Don't like Fawn kind of just like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she gives you like the biggest wink ever. <laughs> What's the biggest thing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so Shafan kind of looks around, so like holding this patch, so you'll, you'll do it. This will help you. If it means we can bring help to the people who need it, absolutely. Thank you so much. She's like Thank reaching you. for the pouch. She's like, yes, help to the people no, who no. need <laughs> it. <laughs> no, no, we don't. We I'll don't. take that. Thank you. And so, and and kind of stepping forward, <laughs> maybe blocking Hex off from the money, but, but yeah. <laughs> so once again, kind of overcome with with the gratefulness and kind of once another tear kind of rolling down her cheek. And she like she goes to like give this thing and, and you know that that moment where you're like, oh, two people are coming for it. No, no Langston. Okay. And so she turns yeah, yeah. to you Langston <laughs> and, and and hands you the thing. Uh so she hands you the pouch and she grasps your your hands and hers and looks at you and says, Thank you so much. Truly you don't know how how brave and 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 meaningful this is to to not just me but all of fano thank you uh and she reaches down and and like kind of into a pocket of her dress and pulls out a little oh sorry she actually just takes it off of her own wrist a little bracelet oh and hands it over to you this has this? always brought my family luck it's everything's happening so fast <laughs> I hope it, it brings you luck as well. And this is your family. So I can't take this. But no, it's 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 you. You're doing this for my family. It is only right. I believe it glows around Onyx. That's what I was told. It's just something, uh, but. Here, take it. And so she kind of hands you and, and pushes that into your other hand that's not holding the pouch um, and holds your back. hand for another second and finished. lets it go. Also, when she said it glows around Onyx, you also hear Ida snort again. <laughs> Onyx. 
A lesser gem. Ida a does try to go gem. and kind of in, interested in the your bubble. It's not trying for yours. to. <laughs> she kind of snaps like annoyed at you. Whispering into and you see, it's not for your horde, it's my horde. <laughs> you see her eyeing it. Like she is. You have to be careful. She's gonna definitely try to grab that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um She steps back and kind of looks over everybody and and in a sort of kind of sweeping gesture one more time, says, Thank you. I would like my fear to go with you. She's, she has accumulated knowledge about the book and about these things that can prove useful. The one that's been giving me the evil eye. <laughs> has she? <laughs> she figured. I, I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she gave Hex an evil eye because of uh, sex, but... Um, sex. <laughs> Listen. But... She can help you, and and she'll uh, she can go with you. I will go. But if this is the case, we should move quickly because it's not long before the shop will be noticed. She goes. I'm no stranger to running from the law. I suppose we should make our way out of here and out of town. Maybe camp nearby until we can. Mayfair steps forward and says, "If." It is a captain that you have to secure, that we have to secure. Then I suggest we head to the Bluefin. If there's anyone around here that will brave the bay, it will be difficult to find, but that will be where we find it. Perfect. A drink, she says, and begins moving for the stairs. Yes. (laughs) And you head up the stairs, and Mayfair hangs back to talk to you, Fawn, and you see them kind of clasping hands and leaning close to each other. And Mayfair seems to be, like, talking carefully and, like, you know, maybe very much like a maternal, like, you're going to go, just you can have your stuff, like, kind of just taking care because Fawn is leaving and you sense this sort of protectiveness and and, and concern that uh, goes from that scene. And then as you head up... um, I think Langston would be the last to leave. Just like, please be careful, Fawn. She and looks at you and is like... Cloak yeah. behind you. <laughs> <laughs> this moment. Oh, I can't fall in love too fast. <laughs> I love this melodramaticness. Yes, excellent. So um, and Mayfair pulls away and steps forward with you all. Fawn is left at the bookshop, but as you see her put her hood up. Oh, hello, camera. What's up? I thought you were becoming Mayfair. (laughs) Yeah, I was... A cool dissolve. Transforming. Ta-da. How cool would be if I turned my camera off and on and it was just like somebody else? (laughs) Um, That would have been pro status. I would be. Um, So she's left in the shop, but she's wearing a traveling cloak. She pulls her hood up and you all exit the shop with the broken jangling of a bell from a shattered door and a few moments later you hear it again as you start walking down the street in one direction and you turn to look and you see Fawn or the receding figure of Fawn heading in the other opposite direction the lights of the bookshop not glowing and not pouring out warmth onto the street anymore as you step out and head in your way Mayfair leads the way. There's a torrential rain that has soaked the streets, leaving the smooth black puddles reflecting moonlight as it has turned dark. Turning away one last time, Mayfair kind of lingers and you see her kind of stare for a moment at the receding figure of Fawn before... She just winces at the rainfall and pulls her hood up, shakes her head, and heads down the street that descends back towards the waters, back towards the docks. The subtle smell of fish and wood oil carries along with the draft in the air. There's a distant flap of a sail, and as you walk... Over time, you hear a belly laugh reverberating 
in the stillness, and it seems like the sound of a place beginning to grow familiar <laughs> as you approach the Lakeport docks once again. The site of and our greatest victory. <laughs> and as you go and head your way to the Bluefin Tavern, as it's night and closer to the waters, there's a veil of heavy mist that clings to the lake's dark waters. Waves gently break against the wooden dock, and down a planked pathway, murmuring voices of nearby merchants can be heard through the din of bloated, moored vessels bumping against the pilings and strained groans of tightening ropes. A comforting sound to you, Locke. We're going sailing! Between the Tetha Cathedral and Twin Lofts, littered with broken chimneys and weathered stone ramparts, ramparts stands a peculiar sight that you approach. This looks like the remains of a once grand theater. The casualty seems to have been a huge blast. As the structure's roof is canopied with large cuts of canvas uh, stretching from the sturdier pieces of debris of the theater's pinnacle. It's like the roof was basically blown off this place and canvases kind of covering it now instead. There are glowing lanterns hanging atop rusty poles, poking through the tatters, illuminating the hazy gloom. There's muffled voices from within the tavern as they grow clearer. In the distance, a fiddler scratches a rousing melody as the sound of a flagon tumbling to the floor evokes more belly laughs from the rowdy patrons. The doorless entrance is wide and breezy, and a wooden sign poorly slung above the opening reads, The Bluefin. And as you approach the next (laughs) chapter of this story is where we will end tonight. (gasps) Let's go... Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And we don't have to wait a month to play again, which is the best part. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs>